Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. That's me. That's you. And every weekend, we are here doing life together, and we're glad you joined us. We are indeed. Okay, today is a very helpful show. I want to tell all of our listeners right now, listen to this, a little bit of intro from me, and then call your friends who are experiencing chronic pain. Yes, chronic pain. If you've ever experienced it, you know how horrible it is, or you know someone perhaps who has. Well, this is your day for help. We're talking about living with chronic pain successfully. And I know you know this, Linda, but this is a condition that affects over 100 million people in the United States. Isn't that astounding? 100 million. That's a third of the entire population. I I know. So if that's you or someone you know, we're going to give you some very practical help for living with pain. But first, Norm, have you ever dealt with chronic pain? No. I don't... I've dealt with acute pain. Yeah, you have. I was trying to think about it, and you really have never... I've never had like you had with your back. Oh, yeah, that was awful. So I had um, back pain. I didn't realize it was from a fall I had on the ice many years ago didn't realize that that was the thing that set it off. But I thought, honestly, Norm, I thought I was losing my mind. You probably thought I was too. I thought you were absolutely going crazy. It went on and on for months, and it was debilitating. I couldn't stand. I couldn't work. The only time I didn't hurt was when I was lying on my stomach. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I actually wrote one wrote of my best films. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what I know now, that when I was writing that book, I was distracting my brain from the pain, which is something we'll talk about. But um, I wrote that book, Lose It for Life, when I was on my stomach, mm. and I couldn't react. And I couldn't, I could, the pain wouldn't stop. So I have a lot of compassion for this, although a lot of our listeners are saying, hey, you dealt with that for nine months. I dealt with this for nine years. So I'm not comparing my experience to a lot of other people that have, you know, had a long time. But I remember the doctors did give me narcotics. Mm -hmm. And you know me with meds, I don't tolerate hardly anything. You're not good with aspirin. I know. I took took one and I couldn't tolerate it. I got so sick from it. And I was desperate for anything to give me some relief. And it, it didn't work. Thank God, honestly, that I couldn't tolerate it because mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an entree in for a lot of people having problems with opioid dependence. So I'm kind of thankful, but I understand why people want them and why people go there because it's awful mm-hmm. pain. Well, today you're going to help people learn to live with pain without meds, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're going. They may not be aware how bad it is until they find an alternative that you're going to help us with today. Well, I'm not saying that people can't take meds. There are certain kinds of meds that are not opioids that sometimes can help. Although I've been, I follow the research and I look at it over and over and it doesn't really help chronic pain, but people are pretty dependent on Mm -hmm. those meds. um, Even so, but so what we're going to talk about is 
other ways in your life you can help reduce that pain because sometimes it's not really reasonable to get rid of pain. Mm-hmm. It's more reasonable to try to reduce it and to do something. So, you know, we have this opioid crisis and epidemic. There's so much potential for abuse and addiction. So many people have been prescribed opioids for chronic pain, and we're in trouble. And um, it's a really serious thing. We've got people overdosing in our neighborhoods because they became addicted, sometimes through pain. Mm -hmm. That's how it happened, and they feel pretty hopeless. And through well-intentioned doctors who unfortunately gave them the wrong medication. We heard about the opioid crisis a few years ago. It was real intense, but now it seems that it's continuing, and it's even worse with this fentanyl. Mm-hmm. That just seems so deadly. 90 Americans die every single day from overdoses, and the cause of death for Americans under 50 is an opioid overdose. I know, I know. And because of the problem, there's just so many issues, you know, because now things are laced with fentanyl mm-hmm. and, and people aren't even aware of it. I read a story the other day where um, a teenager used cannabis for the first time and it was laced with fentanyl and he overdosed. Oh my I mean, goodness. parents were just devastated um, because you don't expect that, right? Mm-hmm. But because of this problem of misuse and abuse, we really need to understand chronic pain and we need to have a lot of ways of dealing with it. So what's the difference between acute pain and chronic pain? Acute pain is something that has an identifiable cause. Like when you broke your ankle then or your toe or whatever that was years ago, there was an acute pain from that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you broke a limb um, and a bone. But part of the issue here is that it usually stops and it usually there's healing and it usually goes on for maybe three months and then you're better. Mm -hmm. But chronic pain is when you, you get better, but you continue to have that pain and it just goes on and on. So it's what we call persistent pain. It's ongoing. It's recurrent. It usually lasts beyond that three months. Um, it, it, and the healing can be already have taken place. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people have what we call neuropathic pain, which is a nerve type of pain that can affect you too. But think about chronic pain as pain that continues when it should not. Oh, it should be over, but it, it should continues. be over. I yeah. got it. Okay. So I know people use opioids, and and we can't solve that crisis on our show, but we do want to focus on non-medication ways to reduce chronic pain, right? Right. Can you give us a visual picture of how to begin thinking about chronic pain and maybe a way to change our relationship? That's a funny way to say it, but we have a relationship with pain. We do. We do. And actually, the American Chronic Pain Association has a really great visual for this. So chronic pain, this is what they say, can feel like a car with four flat tires. (laughs) It feels like you are going nowhere, right? You have four flat tires, you're not moving. When medical treatment is used alone, it may only inflate one of those tires. And we actually need all four of those to be inflated so our car can run smoothly. So a whole lot can be done to get your car moving again. That's what we're going to talk about, to manage that pain and to improve the quality of your life. So a combination of therapies and interventions are really needed. Then once we fill the tires, get our car moving again, the car needs to keep moving down the road of life, right? So we're going to talk about how you can get your car moving and have a better functioning life. Okay, so our goal today with chronic pain is to get ourselves moving again and keep doing what we can to manage it and reduce it, right? Yeah, so the goal, as I mentioned, sometimes is not the complete absence of pain. Mm-hmm. It's really to have less pain, to feel you know, to feel better, to manage it, to be able to have a better quality of life and reduce your sense of suffering. 
Okay. I think most of us would like to eliminate it altogether. Is that possible? You're saying that's not even Uh, realistic? In most cases, it's not. Um, But our culture is big on medications, Mm -hmm. not only after physical pain, but any kind of pain, so that we don't feel bad, right? But we're not promised a pain-free life on this side of eternity. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Okay. So to reduce or manage pain, do we need to set certain priorities in our life when it comes to how we deal with the pain? Yeah. When you have chronic pain, it's hard to do the normal things like clean your house, play with your kids. Pain makes those things just kind of fall away. Hmm. But you need a reason to get out of bed and get moving. And a way to begin is to think about what's important in your life. What would bring some joy? Oh, that's a good question. So that's a good starting point. Let's figure it out. What can I do today that would give me meaning or make my life better. Yeah, and that's the opposite of what most of us do when we're in pain. We tend to push things aside. We think about what we can't do. Mm -hmm. List what you can do, and then think of a small step to just push it a little bit further. Wow, when you said that, I remembered the great verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we have to be realistic, don't we, when we begin to deal with pain? Yes, and pain can drain you of the energy And, you know, it keeps you from getting things done. So choose a small goal you know that you can achieve. Maybe one thing at a time. Maybe one month at a time. Hmm. For example, there's a woman who is really racked with pain, and she can't bake cookies by herself. But she determined, Norm, that this was a goal, and she wanted to do it. And every day, she took a step towards getting ready to bake those cookies. Once in a while, one time she got the dough mixed, then she put it in the refrigerator one day. She had pain, so she stopped. But eventually, she persisted, and she got those cookies baked. And at the end of a few weeks, she accomplished her goal. So every day, she focused on what she still could do. Mm persevered, and built her confidence. I'm thinking of that little kid's book from years and years ago. The little train said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That's right. And chronic pain is never consistent. So people can have a bad day, a good day. On the good days, see what you can do, what you need to do. Do a little at a time rather than overdoing it, because that's this mistake I see people doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Listen to your body. Know when to stop. Don't try to do it all in one day and suffer later. Do some of it. Mm. So we have to give ourselves permission to be less than perfect. It sounds yes. like do a little bit, do what we can, and when we can, that's a victory. Focus on abilities, not disabilities. I like that. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, we're just getting started. If you stay with us, we're going to give you a whole lot more. The break is next, and we'll be right back. Mother and daughter relationships are powerful, and they impact all our other relationships. Think about it. The way you react with your mom typically is the way you might react with other people. Yet this important bond can be filled with tension when both women try to find their own voice and develop a sense of self. So working through the mother-daughter relationship can be a challenge, but it is so worth the effort. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, and I would love to help you navigate this important relationship and strengthen it to the best it can be. That's why I wrote, I Love My Mother, But, a book to strengthen the mother-daughter relationship. We all love our mothers, but sometimes we need a little help working through our differences. I Love My Mother, But, available on my website, drlindamintel.com, or online where books are sold. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, 
but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us too. We are happy to welcome you back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Today we're talking about a problem that affects 100 million people here in our country, living with chronic pain. Well, Linda talks about that in her recent book, Living Beyond Pain. Our goal today is to give you some very important help on how you can be an overcomer and reduce the pain in your body. Just as a reminder, Dr. Linda writes about this topic and others in her blog. So go to drlindamental.com for more help. Follow her on her social media outlets. And one of the easiest ways to see what she's writing about is to follow her on Twitter, at Dr. Linda Helps. Actually, it's Dr. Linda Mental now. I changed it to my name. Oh, it's just easier for me easier. to remember. And listen, I, I don't usually really promote my books, but this is one that has been helping a lot of people. And the reviews on Amazon are really good. So if you know someone with chronic pain, it will give you all these strategies and more and in depth, and you'll really understand it. So I, I really would love for people to get the book and get some help. Ladies and gentlemen, this woman has written 20 books. I know, but this Start one is really one. helpful. This That's one's right. Really Start helpful, with this think, one and yeah. then read all the other 19. Okay, I have a question. This might seem obvious to you, but I've heard that exercise helps chronic pain, yet because of the pain, people don't exercise. That kind of makes sense to me. Well, I know. Chronic pain can be debilitating. Nobody wants to get up and move, right? Because you're so limited by the pain, you think. But pain can even cause what is known as a disuse syndrome. Hmm. This is the medical way of saying, use it or lose it. Okay, so to avoid pain, a lot of people limit the amount of things that they do in a day. And eventually what happens, Norm, is it causes weakness, which then leads to even less activity. And then you have this cycle that's formed. So while you have to be really careful with how you start with exercise, you probably should talk to your doctor or a physical therapist. But movement is really a key in chronic pain. So who knew? If you don't use it, 
you do lose it. Yeah, that's a constant theme in dealing with chronic pain. You have to stay active. And it it goes against what you're feeling at the moment because you don't want to be active. But there's so much strong evidence that exercise is beneficial to pain sufferers. When you live with chronic pain, exercise helps you maintain your mobility. And that's really important Mm because you want to do as much as you can. It keeps your muscles active, your joints flexible, which then alleviates the symptoms of chronic pain because weak muscles are more vulnerable to pain and can even cause other injuries. Exercise helps your endurance, your range of motion, and it can really decrease discomfort. Hmm. So it sounds to me like it's a great idea to work with your doctor or physical therapist or just someone who's going to motivate you to get up and move. Yeah, and guide you to do it slowly, right? When I had back surgery a number of years ago, when we talked about that a little bit ago, the surgery was really successful. Now, that's not always the case with people, Mm -hmm. but in my case, it was. But, you know, at the end of that surgery, Norm, do you remember I was wearing that girdle thing, that huge thing I had to strap into for months. Kind of supporting. Yeah. yeah. I was given no instructions of what to do and how to bring my body back into health. And I had a great surgeon, but there was no post-op instructions. Mm. And so after the surgery, I mean, I felt like I was 80 years old. So when I was ready, I enrolled in a Pilates class at the YMCA. And the Pilates method emphasizes breathing, core strength, stabilization, flexibility, posture, all of that, all of that in, in really improves your core. And boy, did it make a huge difference in me feeling a lot mm. better. I really mm-hmm. think that was the key to bringing me back mm. to health. That's good. What about music or art? Could creative outlets help a person with chronic pain? Yeah, because music and art do work because when you engage in creative activities, you release endorphins. And that's the body's natural painkillers, right? Art and music are excellent tools for pain management, actually. And they can be personalized to your individual tastes, your preferences, whatever you like. (laughs) I love it. How about relaxation exercises? Doesn't stress increase pain and make it worse? I'm not sure how you can relax when you're in pain. Your body seems like it would be always tense. It does. It is really hard to relax. But you can teach yourself relaxation methods, and that's a pain management tool that you can use anytime, anywhere, or in combination with other things that you're doing. So just like you said, Norm, the more tense you are due to stress, the worse your pain's going to be. So if you keep that stress, your pain's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. Allowing your muscles to relax reduces the strain. It decreases pain sensations. So you really have to practice. There's a whole lot of ways that you can do relaxation. There's deep breathing that a lot of people have heard of. Scripture meditation. How about that? Mm. There's something called guided imagery where you you focus on a a scene in your head of a a beautiful beach or a, a forest with snow falling in the mountains or whatever is relaxing to you. And all of this helps decrease the stress. It releases your muscles. It, it really does do a lot to calm your body and to relax your, your whole self to the point that then the pain goes down. Okay, so I think I got it. When you focus on relaxing, you're not giving any attention to the pain. Well, that's true too. You're calming the muscles, but you're also focusing your mind somewhere else. And you're redirecting your thoughts off the pain and onto something that you enjoy. So with practice, you can redirect your thoughts off your pain and onto other things. So here's the thing. And I have this picture of, you know, the military people saluting to attention when I give presentations on this. Pain loves attention. (laughs) 
but attention to the pain actually makes it worse. So if you can not think about it. If you can distract okay. away from the pain, okay. you're going to feel better. Uh, the other thing we talk about a lot on this program is how we build communities for all sorts of great reasons. I'm going to guess that if we have people around us supporting us, that's a huge help. It is a, it's a, a support group can be really great or even just a supportive friend that can help you live with this. So a woman named Dr. Cicely Saunders was the person who started the hospice movement. Hmm. I didn't really know her name until I had we researched this. Here's a quote from her. She says, Suffering is only intolerable when nobody cares. One continually sees that faith in God and his care is made infinitely easier by the faith of someone who has shown kindness and sympathy. Isn't that good? (laughs) So that kind of support of someone who cares for you helps you stay positive. Right. And negative emotions are completely tied to turning up the volume on pain. Mm. So fear, avoiding, being angry with people, all of those things make your pain worse. And if you don't have social support on top of all that, all of these things increase pain. So our thoughts are like amplifiers for pain. The more negative they are, the more pain we're going to have. So really, the Apostle Paul was right when he told us to think on good things. I don't know that that was a prescription for chronic pain in the Bible, but negative thoughts and negative emotions do make pain worse. So all that pain is in your brain. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Pain is in the brain. It actually is what we we teach in medical school. Pain is in the brain. It's a perception of pain. I happen to know that you get asked a lot of questions on this topic, and probably the most persistent one is, why does God even allow people to suffer? I know. It's. I, do you think we're ever going to understand the answer to that question? We'll do it like my mom said, when you get to heaven, ask Jesus. I know, but I do know that suffering does matter to God. He's aware of our pain, and he cares about it. I mean, Johnny Erickson Tata and Steve Estes wrote in their book, When God Weeps, Why Our Suffering Matters to the Almighty. They wrote, when sin entered the world, death entered. Chronic pain, illness, and disease are a form of death. Mm. So it's a reality of being on this side of the garden. And one of my all-time favorites, St. Augustine once wrote, although there may be life without pain, There cannot be pain without some kind of life. Mm. Pain is just part of the human experience on this side of heaven. And, you know, we see in the Bible that the Christ himself had boundless compassion for people who suffered and healed a lot of people. He healed everyone he touched. But I always think about this. He didn't touch everyone. No. I just, that's, that's so, I find that so interesting and mysterious because Jesus had to know, Norm, that people were in pain around him. Yet he didn't heal everyone on earth who suffered only what the Father willed him to do. Mm -hmm. I don't pretend to understand all of that. No, not at all. But we can follow the example of the psalmist who sometimes cried out and even took God to task. David Mm. many times said, God, where are you? What's going on? Why aren't you helping me? And yet in the pain and the difficulty, they persisted. And they kept praying, kept trusting. That's a model we can follow. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I think it's going to be somewhat of a mystery, but we can find purpose in pain, and that really does help the coping. Suffering can grow our faith, I think, if we approach it in an honest way with God. Suffering produces intimacy with God. We know that from the Job story. Job knew God in an intimate way. And he knew him most of all after his suffering. Mm -hmm. Through that intense pain, we can experience God at maybe the deepest level ever. And, you know, people who suffer want people who have suffered to tell them there's hope. Mm. 
they are justifiably suspicious of people who appear to have lived lives of ease, right? right? So they those who have suffered make the most effective comforters, and they know because they've lived it, and they're more credible. That's because if you've really suffered, what you say to people is meaningful and accurate mm-hmm. and authentic, rather than just platitudes. We know Jesus suffered, and he was acquainted with our grief, the Bible says, and he assures us of his presence in our pain because Paul quoted Jesus in Second Corinthians when he said, my grace is sufficient mm. for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. So living with pain in our fallen world isn't easy. We can know the biblical truth that God has not left us or forsaken us, but we have to trust him in order to avoid that hopelessness that sometimes comes and even anger. And we need to encourage each other in the truth. We suffer after the cross, not before it, which means we participate in the suffering of Christ. The way of Christ is suffering, but then glory. One day, all pain will be gone, and we will see him face to face. In the meantime, fight the good fight, pray for strength, and do what you can to lessen your pain. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes this show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.